Hello and welcome to I Heard It on a Podcast, our little corner of the Wild West. My name is Riley. And my name is Isaiah. And thank you for joining us on this wonderful Christmas week. Yeah, this is the first day of winter. Really? Well, Dang. Yeah, the, when this episode comes out today, Dang. Monday, December 21st, is the first day of winter in the Northern Hemisphere. Ah, it's the first day of summer in the Southern Hemisphere. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess that, uh-huh. that makes sense. Yep. Congratulations, Australia. Yeah. It's uh, summer. And uh, South Africa. Yeah. Enjoy your <laughs> hundreds of degrees. Yeah. But up here, we're enjoying... It's not hundreds for them because they use Celsius. True. It's like 44 it's like degrees. dozens of degrees. I saw a news article the other day that said um, this was supposed to be the hottest summer ever for Australia. And some areas would hit like 52 degrees Celsius, which is like 100. That's like 500 degrees. Degrees Fahrenheit. Something in that range, like wow. mid-teens to high-teens. Uh, is it because everything is still on fire? I'm not sure what the reasoning mm. is, but that's like to the point where if you don't have air conditioning, you could literally die. It's not just a first world <laughs> problem. It's like, uh, that's yeah. That's funny. So anyway, but here it is crisp and cold, and depending where you are, it might be snowing, and it's just, it's Christmas week. It's exciting. It's like we're it's coming to the end of the of year. year. Yeah. The excitement is building. The Christmas music is crescendoing (laughs) the movies are being binged and i hope you all are having a great christmas season we have been here we've been having a fun time with everything going on um but let's get into today's episode today we have um a fun story about how well uh, i won't spoil that story but it's a fun story we've got some interesting apple news as per usual and we're talking about if sports become better when you use a motor to propel yourself in them yeah well we were supposed to talk about this last time but yeah. the majesty of pizza yeah. caught us we were just swept up yeah and so we had to talk about pizza the yeah. whole time so now we're going to talk about the next best thing which yeah. is motorized motor things sp- sports yeah motor things are great anyway i'm going to tell hear, my story yeah let's hear your story so this is a story that happened to me long ago in land near here <laughs> it's the same town where we are right now. I was in uh, like middle school. Oh, well, for preface, last week you told the story of how yes. you broke your arm yes. or got a, com- a fracture. Com- compress- compression, compression, yeah, compression fracture. fracture. I got a real similar injury, and I guess that's a spoiler for the story that I'm about to tell. Anyway, I was one of those really cool kids that had a ripstick in yeah, middle yeah. school, and. Um, I'm sure you remember me. I think I rode all the way to your house sometimes on my ripstick. It wasn't really meant for a distant... Yeah, it's like one of the most inefficient forms of transport. But I did it anyway. It was Uh really good for my core. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the pillars of my fitness today (laughs) is the fact that I used my ripstick so much when I was in middle school. But anyway, one of the pitfalls of the ripstick is its lack of balance when you're going real slow. Uh Uh-huh. And I was in my driveway, which, like most driveways, have cracks where the sidewalk or the concrete connects the mm-hmm. parts of the concrete. Yeah. And I was out there with my mom, who was on the phone with her sister, my aunt. And I was just rip sticking around, weaving in and out, and going real slow. And I got caught on one of the cracks. One of the wheels went in the crack, and I abruptly stopped and just fell down. I just I was going maybe like. Two miles an hour, real slow. Like walking speed. Less than walking speed, probably. <laughs> and I just fell down. I fell backwards off of my uh, ripstick and caught myself on the ground with my arm. Like you do 
every day. <laughs> Hopefully you don't <laughs> fall down every day. You fall off your ripstick every day. <laughs> like you do. And I was like, uh, oh, that hurt. And I, you know, like falling hurts. So you, I got back up and kept ripsticking and it really started to hurt. Uh-huh. It like r- started radiating pain from my, hmm, I think it was my right wrist. I don't even remember now. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it was my right arm. Um. Anyway, I stopped rip sticking and went inside, <laughs> and told my mom, who was still on the phone, "My arm really hurts. I I don't. I think I messed something. I I think I messed something up. I don't know what's wrong." She was like, "Oh, you're fine. <laughs> like, just walk it off." <laughs> um. This was probably at like five thirty. We were about to have dinner, and I remember we were eating spaghetti that night. Mm. And so I sit down for dinner, like just gritting my teeth at how much it hurt to move around, like uh-huh. moving my the rest of my body, uh-huh. just the I don't know, moving like my shoulder muscles uh-huh. hurt, hurt really bad. Moving my yeah, it yeah. hurt to move anything, uh-huh. and I couldn't articulate this type of pain because I had never felt this type of pain before. Thankfully, my dad believed me, and he said. I think we need to go to the emergency. We we well, he said I think we need to take him to urgent care, which is like the better version of um their emergency yeah, room. Yeah, because it's like people don't go there when they're dying and it doesn't cost $8,000. Right. But it closes at like 8 p.m. Uh-huh. It's not open all the time. Uh-huh. So, in I ate dinner with my like left hand, which I'm right-handed, mm-hmm. and it was spaghetti of all things. Spaghetti. So I got spaghetti like all over my shirt, <laughs> I'm sure. And after that, my dad and mom took me to urgent care. And we were like the only people there. And it was about to close, but they did an x-ray. That And that was the most painful thing that I've encountered so far in my life, is mm-hmm. having to do the x-rays. Because you know they have to do one with your palm facing the yeah, ground and one with your palm it. facing the sky uh-huh. and get all sorts of different angles. And I remember the one where I had to rotate my hand all the way around and have my palm face the sky was so painful having to hold that. And so I got the x-rays and I was in the waiting room and whoever, the doctor or whatever came out and said, yeah, you have a com- com- I want I keep wanting to say compound fracture, but that's where it's the com- bone sticks out, I think. Yes, that would be, you'd know. <laughs> So this was a compression fracture. And I looked at my mom and she was like, oh, <laughs> oops, <laughs> I'm sorry that I didn't believe you. So I still kind of give her a hard time yeah. for that and for not taking it as seriously as maybe she should have in the first like half hour. Yeah. Um, anyway, I so I like got the splint and was coddled and babied yes. like, like, like you, you do want when to you're be. in middle or high school. Yeah. And the coolest part of this whole thing was I was able to get a waterproof cast. Ah, so bougie. instead of gauze, it was this like weird plasticky stuff on the inside. And the outside cast part was a weird different also plastic material. Huh. And it it didn't have to go above my elbow, it was just uh-huh. below. And that, this was like maybe over Memorial Day, right before the summer. Mm-hmm. And... So I was about to have a cast on my arm for the whole summer, which right, sucks. Right, that would be a bummer. Yeah, so 
But I was able to get this waterproof cast, which you can shower with, and huh. you can get in the ocean. I was going to the ocean that, uh-huh. the beach that um, summer, and I did. I got in the ocean with this cast, and I got sand in it, and I just rinsed it out. It was actually pretty cool. Nice. So if you ever break something, ask about getting a waterproof cast, because I don't think it's something they offer. But no, see, because I had the exact same injury when I probably the know, same time jumped the bike too. rack. Listen to last week's episode for that story, but. I went to I went to the ER because urgent care was closed, mm-hmm. um, and they just gave me like they had these. Imagine like a cold pack, but it was like a splint, so you'd like crack it open and it would be malleable for a little while, and then it would eventually set in a shape. And so they would splint me, and then they'd wrap that in gauze, mm. and that was just a temporary thing until I could see like a doctor. So it was just what yeah. the emergency room did. And then I went back to the doctor, you know, a couple days later, and the doctor was like, oh, this is a, they did a really good job of splinting this. I'm just not going to give you a cast. You can really? keep it in the splint for six weeks. Oh, my. And so I didn't even get a cast, <laughs> like, you know, the ones that are plastered and they have to cut open. I just had, you know, gauze around the splint. So I had, like, wow. the poverty version of your cast. I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> yeah, I I went to the hospital to get this uh-huh. kind of cast. It wasn't... Yeah. Some doctor's office. Yeah, or, I'm sure you can get a cast just about anywhere. Yeah, but I had to go to the, like into the hospital to get right. this waterproof cast. Huh. Fancy. Yeah, I had to wrap my arm in a Target bag every morning for six weeks <laughs> for showering. <laughs> I think that builds character. Yeah, something. But anyway, next week we're gonna tell you the story of how we broke our legs. No, just kidding. That's all <laughs> we've broken. So this story, yeah, this uh, saga over. has ended. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, no joke. If we tell a story next week about broken things, that would be bad. Yeah. Fun Christmas times. Okay, let's jump into the news. Um, our news today uh, is Apple News. Don't <laughs> Imagine at me. Imagine that. Don't at me. Uh, because this isn't really, you know, Apple culting. It's also Facebook news. And this is going to be more of a make fun of Facebook time. Rather than, than uh, lift praise up Apple. Apple. Yeah. Okay. So I can Apple's kind of neutral in this. So um, this is actually pretty old. This is from... Uh, the 16th and so this is probably a little bit more than a week old um, but basically what has happened is in Apple's new software update which is iOS 14.3 um, they changed their app store a little bit to require developers to submit the data and services they would like to collect from you and your phone and so this tells you like what the app has access to how they're allowed to use it, um, when and what they're going to do with that data. Basically kind of like a privacy policy and a device usage policy. Um, and so this kind of gives you a win- uh, an insight into like if apps are you know activating the microphone or turning on the camera or collecting data, location data or whatever. But they also, with the new iOS, um, and this is an older one, it's iOS 14 and it's kind of been upgraded as they've released. Um, they've given you the ability to anonymize your um, advertising identifier. So basically it makes it so that advertising companies can't track you across the internet and they can't personalize ads to you, okay. um, which is basically Facebook's bread and butter. You know, they make most of their money selling data about you to advertising companies and then targeting you with those ads. Right, really specific targeted yeah. ad. Like mm-hmm. you and I, even though we're in the same demographic, would probably have different ads. Totally, yeah. And so there are 
well-publicized ways of them doing this, like um, checking the things you click on on Facebook. And then there are kind of the shadier, well, we don't know when they do it or if they do it or how much they do it. Things like tracking your location through the Facebook app or uh, turning on your microphone and listening to your conversations mm. or uh, embedding pixels is what they're called into websites so they can tell exactly which website you're on and when and for how long and I, what you do on it. I just learned what a cookie is. Now I have uh-huh. to learn what a pixel is. Well, it's just a Facebook specific thing and oh. pretty much all websites have a Facebook pixel and it'll tell Facebook what you clicked on on their website, how long you were on it, what you were looking at on the website, where you were when you accessed it, your IP address. It's mm. very invasive. Um, and so Facebook has been doing this, I mean, for years. Facebook is not a stellar example of um, privacy or data protection. And so um, this Apple update that lets, basically they can still collect the data on you, but they can't associate it to your advertising ID, which you can think of as like your social security number for ads. Basically they assign a number that's unique to you. So they can still collect the data, but they can't tell whose data is. And so they can't build this you know, profile on you of, what websites you go to, where you visit. They get the data, but it's all disconnected from itself. Okay. And that's that's why Facebook is kind of a leader in this advertising industry is because they've got the algorithms and they can kind of, they've got so much data, they can build a really robust profile on you and track you really well and target ads to you, even to the point of like knowing when you're hungry and they'll advertise a restaurant that you sometimes go to. Like I've seen stuff like that and it's crazy. Um, so this is kind of throwing a wrench into that whole thing. So Facebook is understandably upset about losing billions of dollars of advertising money because Mm -hmm. of Apple. Um, And so Facebook released full-page newspaper ads criticizing Apple's uh, new privacy upgrades. Um, And the headline on on this ad is, We're standing up to Apple for small businesses everywhere. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's awful. So... Facebook, one of you know the world's biggest companies, is sticking it to Apple because it cares about small businesses via print ads. Yes, via in, print ads in the newspaper. Yeah, it looks like in the New York Times, Wall, Washington Washington Post, Journal. Wall Street Journal. Yeah, but I think the craziest thing to me here is kind of like the hypocrisy and the fact that people will probably buy this. You know, they read this ad and they're like, "Dang!" Like. Apple screwing small businesses over because their argument is small businesses advertise a lot on Facebook um, and they rely a lot on the ability to target their ads specifically to people and they're worried that without the ability to target their ads, uh, small business will have to spend more money for less results on advertising and it's going to hurt the economy, it's going to hurt small businesses, which to be fair is true in a, in a sense. But Facebook doesn't like small businesses advertising no. on their profile because they love small businesses. Yes. They like it because it's more they money. Make money, yes. So that's the funny part: is this mega corporation with you know evil intentions that's destroying the privacy of Americans for profit wow. is saying, "Hey, yeah, I hate Facebook, man." <laughs> they're saying, "Hey, America, will you hate Apple because they're making it hard for small businesses?" And also for us to make billions of dollars. But the small businesses, we have to care about our fellow Americans. So let's all hate Apple together. That's basically what Facebook is saying. This has cemented even more my hatred of Facebook. And to be fair, I still do use Instagram, which is a Facebook product. Um, But 
it is really hard nowadays to be completely free of Facebook, even if you want to be, because even if you don't have a Facebook account, they'll still build profiles on you just from tracking websites. Like if you go to a Facebook pixel embedded website, they still will automatically create a profile for you in their you know ad tracking system and they'll mm-hmm. start building up. So even if you don't have any Facebook products, they're still tracking you. They're still doing all this stuff. Um, so and to be fair, it, this isn't hurting small businesses outside of them advertising on Facebook, yes. right? This is hurting small businesses who choose to pay Facebook. They're getting less return on their money that they've paid Facebook. So it's it's pretty niche. This is one of those examples of like they're definitely twisting a lot of things to try to get you know sympathy or I don't even legislation changes something i don't know what their goal with this is and it's also hurting big businesses who advertise on facebook yes but no one cares if they get screwed yes yeah the goal here is definitely to like tug at the heartstrings of the people reading this so that was fun this made me like like apple more which yeah okay (laughs) i didn't know that was possible I, i know but they're they're still definitely a mega corporation and they still definitely do unethical things and they yeah. still have profit at the forefront. I mean, it's a business, so their sole goal is profit. But at least they're kind of championing privacy a little bit. I mean, they're at least blocking mega corporations from tracking you. So And they at least act externally like they are. Yeah, they're not overtly looking evil. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. So... The official, well, I can't say Riley's official, but my official stance is Facebook is the worst. You should all delete your Facebook accounts. It'll make your life happier, I promise. Okay, should we move on? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we should move on. <laughs> okay, the main topic today is do things get better when you stick motors on them? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you elaborate on that a okay. little bit? Okay, so... Imagine two sports that are the exact same in every way, except for one of the sports, you use the power of dead dinosaurs to propel yourself, where the other sport, you use the power of whatever you ate yesterday to propel yourself. Um, they so both seem equally magical when they you are, phrase yeah, it like that. You can that. make them sound amazing, uh, but one of them feels or not you, magical. They could also be powered by the sun. They could be powered by the sun. Which, if you think about it, what you ate yesterday is also kind of powered by the sun. Yeah. I mean, very, like, if I ate a steak, it'd be very indirectly powered by the sun. Still, still. everything is powered by the sun. Everything we eat is powered by the sun. Coal is powered by the sun. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. Solar power. (laughs) The sun gives us all of our energy in a way. Whoa. Crazy. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Go on. Well, thanks for listening. Um, No. So, so. I'll give you some examples. Um, imagine you're on a mountain and you're riding a bicycle and you're pedaling feverishly, but you're going nowhere. Would this sport be made better if you put a motor on your bicycle and then could go as fast as you want up and down? Or another example, imagine you're on a toboggan, which we don't really <laughs> have anymore, but imagine a toboggan with skids and you can steer it and it's, Fun. Describe for me what a toboggan is. Well, okay, so there's, I think toboggan nowadays technically is um, like just, you know, the stereotypical sled. It's a flat wood piece that curves up and back over 180 degrees. Um, But toboggans also used to be um, two skis on either side of you and then a front ski that you could steer with that was like a movable thing. Uh Um, If I'm wrong, 
Canadians who are listening, don't attack <laughs> it's me. It's just, can- just Canadians. Because that's definitely not a word we use here in the States a lot. But um, so imagine you're on a toboggan. You're going down a hill. It's a blast. The wind is like whipping past your face and you're swishing through the powder and you're speeding on your toboggan and it's just a blast. But then you get to the bottom of the hill and you have to walk back up the hill. Imagine if you put a motor on your toboggan and a large tread and it propelled you back up the hill at the same speed you went down. You've invented snowmobiling. And so my point of debate or my conversation for today is, are those sports inherently better or are they worse or are they the same? So, um, or are they just different or are they, yeah, different. I mean, they're going to be different either way, but what's the advantages and disadvantages? What do you gain out of doing that? And what do you lose from doing that? So, um, we'll just do, we'll start off with a couple of direct comparisons that I had come up with and we'll kind of decide because this isn't, I don't think in my opinion, this is a straight up. Yes. Every sport is better motorized. I think this is going to be kind of a case by case sport by sport. Okay basis so let me go to my handy dandy list here so the first one i wanted to talk about is the one that i think is kind of the most direct comparison and that's um mountain biking versus uh trail dirt bike riding or it might be called enduro i don't know i'm not into the whole motocross thing but basically these are super similar on a mountain bike you're riding on a trail up the mountain and then back down and you're doing you know jumps if you're good and you're kind of going fast and cruising through trees and stuff exact same thing when you're riding a mountain bike on a trail or a dirt bike on a trail sorry you're going up the hill doing jumps weaving through trees going back down the hill so these are kind of super similar these are basically the exact same sport but one has a motor and one doesn't um and so I picture them very differently, though. You do, because they are... Like, one of them is in a big field where you build a bunch of dirt So that's jumps. motocross. That's different from what I'm oh. saying. So that, yeah, that's totally different, because that's all about, you know, doing tricks and hitting big air and all okay, that Okay, tell stuff. me more about... This is just the exact same place as you would go mountain biking. So you're allowed to use a motorized bike well, in these... different different trails, because there are some trails, like, the trails that you and I have been mountain biking on are pedestrian and bike trails yeah um these would be more like national forest trails um kind of deeper in the woods kind of like where we went camping that one time you know that one guy who came up to us on a dirt bike uh kind of that stuff he'd be just driving around so the ones that are more built like they have bridges and paths and stuff for mountain biking not necessarily built um just more remote i think because a lot of mountain bike trails are going to be closer and more trafficked by hikers and stuff like that Mm -hmm. for motorcycle allowed trails are going to be more wilderness areas less like kind of points of interest around um so you're not going 30 around a corner and hit someone right walking yeah. their dog yeah so they're going to be areas that are multi-use so a lot of times they'll also allow uh utvs which are like those off-road golf cart things um atvs okay. they'll allow hunting a lot of times just kind of like general use wilderness areas um but it's the same concept like you're either going out biking to see scenery and kind of explore or you're uh-huh. going to go really fast up and down hills and do jumps um those are both parts of each of these sports um and so i think in my opinion there's definitely pros and cons to each of these this isn't a clear-cut one for me because on all of these and i'll just say it straight up so i don't have to say it every time there's like you know the endorphin high you get from exercising yeah that's great like that's kind of a big 
perk of doing outdoor activities is you kind of get this, you know, exercise high and it makes you feel good and it makes you healthier and you kind of feel accomplished at the end of the day. So that's going to apply to all of these. But that's something I love about mountain biking is when you're working really, really hard to get up a hill and you're like in the lowest gear you can and you're not moving and sometimes you have to get off and walk. But then you get to the top and then you're like high on your endorphins and you get to just ride down super fast. That's something that's kind of unbeatable for me. Yeah. Well, at that point you've earned it. Yeah. It was hard work. Yeah. I think if you are either the kind of mountain biker that is taken to the top on in a bus or pulled there or you just walk there or whatever and you just ride down. I don't know. That, that might be a certain kind of riding, yeah. but I think you got to earn it a little right. bit. You got to get yeah. to the trail. You got to right. get to the point where you enjoy the ride down. Totally, yeah, totally. And making it all motorized to me kind of feels like a cop-out. Right. Or a a watering down of that right. full experience. Yeah, totally. I would agree with that. Okay, so the next pro to human-powered bicycling is, in my opinion, the silence. Like, bikes are really quiet. You just get, like, clicking and some, like, squishing noises of tires and, like, general rattling. But it's generally pretty quiet, especially if you're just wanting to, like, kind of casually ride and explore your bike and you're not going for, like, speed or jumps mm -hmm. or anything like that. You can kind of sit back and enjoy like the sound of the bugs and the birds and the animals and kind of be in nature, which is something you lose when you are on a dirt bike. Because dirt bikes are pretty loud and they're two-stroke engines, which are those kind of like whiny, like chainsaw sounding ones uh -huh. and not like a car sounding motor. Um, and so that's definitely a con in my opinion to dirt bikes especially if you're in an area where people are camping or yeah, hiking kind of rude. or bird watching and you're just like ing, 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 like all over the place <laughs> like wait like what ing, 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 ing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely a pro of uh powering your own bicycle yeah would you agree oh yeah yeah that's an, an annoying sound no matter where it is but especially if you're in nature which one of my favorite parts about it is that it's remote and, uh -huh. and serene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I have experiences with this because I went camping once. Um, and me and my wife and some friends went camping and we stayed at a place in the National Forest that was close to like an off-road uh, allowed area. And people were riding dirt bikes until like 3 in the morning. Wow. And then they got up again at like 6 in the morning and started riding dirt bikes again. You gotta and, rest. You gotta rest your dirt well, bike mind. Well, it was mind. There, were, there were two different like sections of people because there were like oh. the partiers, like the people who were drunk riding dirt bikes at three in the morning. That's safe. And then the like go getters who got up while all their partying friends were still sleeping till ten. I see. And started riding at six. So it was not the same people, but it was basically almost continuous dirt bike riding. And <laughs> it's one thing like riding a dirt bike in the city when there's other noises going around and it kind of gets blended into the background, but when you're in nature. And it's dead silent except for like a mile away. <laughs> it stands out a lot more. It makes it really hard to sleep. So if you ride your dirt bike at three in the morning, you suck. Don't do that. Yeah. But let's move on now because we're kind of being harsh on dirt biking. Let's move on to the pros of dirt biking because it is definitely a fun sport. I've done it. I think I've ridden a dirt bike once, like four miles an hour for like 100 feet. But... I imagine it's super fun and I would love to do it. And I've been looking on Craigslist for dirt bikes for like six months. Of course and you have. They're so expensive and I can't ever find them. But whatever. I found one for $1,500. Uh, 
And I was like, that's not awful. But it was from the 70s and oh. the motor didn't work. So that seemed kind of like a bad. I'm going to help you out here. Don't buy a dirt bike. Mm. There's so many other things that you could spend. There are. Like food or. But it's true. But what if I have food already? You'll need more. Oh, okay. Well, someday I'm going to buy a dirt bike. I'm going to ignore your advice eventually and buy a dirt bike because. <laughs> okay. Someday, maybe. Yes. But right now, right now, don't buy a dirt bike. Especially because it's winter. That'd be dumb. Unless it's a really good deal because it's winter. Mm. We'll see. I might ignore this advice, you know, very soon, but we'll see. Um, if you show up with a dirt bike out of the blue, I'll be a little disappointed. And say, next week, my I, story will be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can think of a lot of good ways, much better ways to spend $1,500. No, I wouldn't buy it for $1,500. I would, my goal is to get one for like six to 800 so we'll see. It's probably going to be a fixer upper, but yeah. or you'll just die on it, and I'll be sad. True. Well, I don't think I'd ever be the type of person to ride my dirt bike like in the way that I could die. Well, you just buy a six hundred dollar dirt bike, and the whole engine explodes and well blows your butt open. I've already built a motorized bicycle, which is way That's, more. Dangerous. I do remember that a hundred dollar motor from China. That's way more dangerous, and I haven't exploded yet. So the seat did come off. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good times. But uh, yeah, so anyway, so I might have a dirt bike soon, but who knows? Okay. For now, I can just have the experience by taking my $100 motorized bike to the mountains. Okay, we feel differently about dirt bikes. What's the next yes. comparison? Well, sport? I, I want to do the pros because uh, we didn't do the pros. Come on. Pro is you can go fast, just as fast as downhill, but uphill. You're basically doubling your downhill distance because typically when you're mountain biking, it's really, really slow, and it takes you maybe two hours to get to the top, and then you go really fast down, and it takes you 10 minutes to get to the bottom. So if you do the course, like if you do it three times, that's six hours of going uphill, struggling for 30 minutes of going downhill, having a blast, which to be fair, yes, we talked about you've earned it, but sometimes I don't want to have to earn something, I just want to have fun. That's kind of like what, what video, video games, games are, are yeah. for. So, but what if I want to do video games in real life? I buy a dirt bike, and I... Go really fast. Video up games the in real life are video games. <laughs> True. <laughs> or a Tony Hawk Pro Skater. <laughs> That's like a nice hybrid. Oh man. So okay, so I go fast uphill, I go fast downhill, I smile both ways. I'm not sweating. It's fun. That's a pro. Not sweating. If you were on a bike and you're not okay, sweating, you're doing sweating, it wrong. Especially because you're wearing safety gear and the adrenaline's going. But so that's my first pro. My second pro. I don't think this one's going to apply to you, but it applies to me, is it gives you kind of a sub-hobby. And you kind of can have this with biking too, but less so. And what I'm talking about is the maintaining and upgrading and wrenching on your bike. That sounds terrible. So yeah, I knew you wouldn't like that. Um, so there are definitely people who are super into mountain biking, and there are you know boutique upgrades you can do, and you can just... Did I say boutique? <laughs> boutique. <laughs> I said meant boutique. Uh, upgrades you can do. Um, to make your bike, you know, customized and amazing or whatever. But that that stops at a level with, you know, mountain bike. There's only so much you can do to like a chain and two wheels. But with a motorized bike, you can do so many different upgrades. There's always something to work on. And so this gives you, one, the hobby of riding your dirt bike, but also the hobby of fixing and upgrading your dirt bike, which spending I Spending a lot more money on it. Yes, but I love that kind of stuff. I love fixing stuff and working on stuff. Sometimes when I have to change the oil on my Jeep, 
I'm just so happy because now I get to go lay in the garage for four hours because all the bolts freaking get stuck every time. And I strip them out and it's the worst. Perks of having a Jeep. But it's also the best. Getting mixed signals here. I love it and I hate it. It's like a weird, oh, whatever. We're just going to move on. Okay. That's my second pro. They're even for me, but I, would, I enjoy both of these sports. So, But it sounds like you hate dirt bikes. So I just... I've never been on one. True. I think it would be really fun, mm-hmm. but I don't think that they're, I don't think you can compare them. Mountain biking is a physical, uh-huh. exertive, dangerous, yep. exciting sport. Yep. And and dirt biking, I don't even think it's called dirt biking, to be fair. There's a, it's, a, it's got the word dirt in it. Yeah, there's a name for this well, subgenre. Whatever, but, whatever yeah. it is, that feels like a totally different thing. I mean, I'm picturing videos that I've watched of people weaving in and out of really complex, right. like bike paths that are 15 feet elevated off of the ground, like platformed right. onto trees. Yeah. If you did that on a motorized bike, one little tiny rev on the thing, yeah. and you hit a tree and fall 15 feet, and the bike lands on you and you die. Right. You don't want to do that with and a bike. That's bu- why people love it. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems. <laughs> Crazy to me. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on to our next sport. Our next one, I kind of already alluded to too, but it's this one. These are very different things. And I kind of feel silly bringing it up, but it's the closest comparison I could get is snowmobiling, which is driving around on a snowmobile versus sledding. <laughs> sledding, like yeah. going to the top like, of a hill and, and riding a sled down. Riding yeah. your like piece of plastic down yeah. the hill. Yeah, that's my comparison. <laughs> Okay. Um, oh man. I mean, I have a lot of fun sledding. I I've never been snowmobiling. Okay. Have I you? have been snowmobiling more than I've been dirt biking. To me, snowmobiling seems very practical. You know, it's it it's can a, be. It's an it's a piece of equipment rather than like a, it can be a fun. Well, and that's why you thing. see multiple like different types. It's kind of with the same as ATVing, which isn't one of our sports because it's basically dirt biking with more wheels, but. That's why you see, you know. I think you could compare ATVing with horse riding. <laughs> you could actually, yeah, you could. Well, put a motor on a horse. We're not going to go there though, because that horse riding is already kind of motorized. Just kind a of different yeah. kind of motor. Yeah, <laughs> organic meat motor. Uh, <laughs> There's the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down now. Okay, um, but there's. We're, Talking about snowmobiles, not four-wheeling, okay? So there's like utility snowmobiles, which are big. I think they're called touring, technically. They're big, and they can seat, you know, sometimes two people. They've got storage compartments. They've got racks. They've got lights. They've got horns. And so the point of this is kind of to get around in the snow and to, you know, go do work somewhere or to travel somewhere. Uh-huh. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about as much here. I'm talking more about, like, sport snowmobiles. So these are smaller, um, really short they fit one person. They don't really have creature comforts. Some of them, though, have hand warmers built into the grips, which is pretty sick. Wow. But And then these have big, high-revving motors, so they're meant to go really fast. And typically, you'll see these. Uh, you remember like going up to... I mean, kind of going up to where we go skiing, like on the interstate there. Um, and then once you get off onto the highway, there's a lot of times like they've cut the trees back really far from the road. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes there's 20 feet of, you know, kind of clearing before they go to the trees. And so they cut that for snowmobilers to ride on. And Just along the road? Yeah, because uh, these snowmobiles will go, you know, 70 or 80 miles an hour. Oh, my. And so you're 
going next to the highway, like hitting little bumps and going, you know, 70 miles an hour That'd next to the terrifying. highway. That would be terrifying. But then you can also go off into the, you know, woods and go slower and kind of go exploring. So this is kind of the closest, like sledding is kind of the closest thing I could think of. You're riding on this thing through the snow going fast. But they're not really a like direct comparison. So let's let's talk about the pros and cons. Tell me what you think the pros and cons are for you of motorizing a sled. Uh, the pros are that sounds super awesome. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and it's like dirt biking, but there's six feet of snow. So if you fall off, you just like kind of poof a little bit and you're fine. If, if it's like not compacted snow. Right. If it's compacted snow, you might as well just land on concrete. Concrete, right. Which is why you wear gear, but um uh, the cons, uh, I th- I'm sure that they're like $10,000. Well, you can actually get used snowmobiles. Okay, so um, some friends of ours, we both know these people. Um, I'm not going to name them in case they don't want to be named. But they have found a lot of good Craigslist deals. I think they found one set of snowmobiles. It was a six snowmobile set. As far as I know, I might be saying it was this general six? range. Yeah, so six snowmobiles and a trailer um, for like thirty five hundred bucks, three thousand bucks. What? And the guy was selling them. He was like, I don't know if they work. They're just taking up a lot of space. I want to get rid of them. Um, and so they they bought them. Most of them just needed, you know, like the carburetor cleaned or the oil changed or like something kind of tuned up, not even like repairs. Wow. And so now they have like. Are we close with these people? Yeah. So like, like you know, close enough. Yeah, you know you know who they are. <laughs> okay. It's the people who have, you know, now nine snowmobiles at their mountain place. Oh. And they ride them all the time. But um, we should go there. We should. Well, we talked about this. We talked about going up there and borrowing the snowmobiles and taking them to go like backcountry skiing. You oh remember? yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we're hopefully gonna we're gonna convince them to do that. We'll rent the snowmobiles or we'll buy them lunch or I don't know. Take them with we'll us. Figure so, it we'll out. figure it Keep out. Keep going. But uh, what was my point? I got so off. Oh, yeah, they're not super expensive. You can get them used for really cheap. Now, obviously, you could go the super expensive route, as with any hobby, and buy a brand new, you know, Yamaha for twenty grand and sure. a trailer for twenty grand that's enclosed and heated, and you know, buy all the nice motorcycle gear that's for snowmobiling. But none of when I picture these hobbies at my stage in life i picture like getting the cheapest thing you can and just going out and having like a blast running into the ground with your friends oh my gosh that's that's what i picture so i don't think it has to be super expensive it can be it doesn't have to be okay other cons it does seem dangerous going 70 miles an hour with on one side is like a bunch of trees uh-huh. and on the other side is like a car that's uh-huh. possibly slipping on ice yep it seems scary yeah it does. It's basically motorcycle riding, but on a even less like uh, level and level. Yeah. yeah, like the road is scary enough, but just right. whatever happens to be on the ground covered by snow, yeah, is more terrifying. Right. So that sounds scary to me. Yeah, but on the other hand, it's just powder. Like if you go when it's fresh powder, I've seen some of these people. Like when we were driving up to ski resorts and they get there, you know, at 8 a.m. Like we're driving early because we want to get there at open or whatever. Uh So they're out there, you know, already on their snowmobiles at 8 a.m. with fresh powder. And some of these mountain areas in Colorado, you know, they can have 18, 20 feet of snow consistently through the winter with, you know, getting dumped on. Maybe one night they'll get 8 or 10 inches. So there's a lot of like really loose powdery snow. 
and they're going and sometimes their snowmobiles sit you know like two and a half feet three feet below the top of the actual powder and so they're like plowing through snow and there's snow going everywhere but that's so much snow that you could fall off and just literally be absorbed into powder and you wouldn't really probably get hurt unless you're going really fast but to me this seems like a safer sport if you're being smart than dirt biking because they can both be dangerous if you're going fast and going through trees and like being crazy but you can still hurt yourself on dirt bikes like if you just drop your dirt bike on your ankle you could break your ankle yeah really easy and you can't do that with snowmobiling so this one i think is safer um my pros are i think it's an amazing amazing way to like explore forests and stuff like that during the winter there's not really any other way no to do that besides I mean, snowshoeing that's what i was gonna say but that is so exhausting so slow so exhausting you're not gonna get anywhere it's not fun i mean it can be fun but i've never had in a, a, in a very different kind yes. of way um so this is kind of the only way and there's a huge difference between being in a forest in the winter versus the summer yeah you know in the summer there's noises there's birds there's you know planes flying over there's chirping and wood noises in the winter it's not the noise of like wood but woods <laughs> noises it's not like the tree wood is making noises <laughs> wood noises, wood noises. <laughs> you know like, like knocking <laughs> but in the winter all that snow like absorbs that sound so it's like dead silent yeah that is really cool especially at night when like the sky is like cloudy and the uh yeah forest is cloudy and it's it's super bright everywhere and it's like daytime in the world yeah so imagine that like in the middle of nowhere and you're just like on a snowmobile and you can like set up camp and have a fire that to me like one of my dreams is to get like a touring snowmobile drive into the forest like with all of my camping stuff and set up like a huge camp and just like have this huge camp that i got to and i just drove to Man, that sounds I'll go with you if you do that. Okay. I'm on board for snowmobiling. So you say I should buy a snowmobile instead of a dirt bike then? If you were going to buy one of the two. Okay. But you, I mean, you need a trailer for both of them. You do. But we were talking today about how I should get a trailer for my Jeep. (laughs) I'm tired of sticking stuff in the freaking tiny Jeep. Anyway, okay. So snowmobiling is, I mean, sledding. We didn't really talk about sledding. It's tough to compare it to sledding because... You can, uh, the farthest I've ever sled is like maybe 200 feet. Yeah. And then you walk up to the same spot and sled down. This, you basically have the same experience yeah. over and over again right. for like an hour and a half and then go home. Yeah. And snowmobiling is like exploratory yeah. and a little danger. I mean, I've gotten hurt sledding, so yeah. it can be dangerous I actually too. broke my collarbone sledding once. <laughs> we said we didn't break any other bones. This is when I was like two, so I don't really remember it. Okay. Uh, no, I don't I think was it was two. Say, I, think I it was don't like know four. this story. Um, should, we, should we tell it next week or should we tell it now? Is it short? Is it good? It's short and pretty good. Go. Okay. So we were sledding, my mom and I, and maybe my dad. I don't remember. I was like four, so I don't remember. Um, and we were over on that hill over by the college where everyone goes yeah. sledding. Um, and... I'd gone down, I think, I'm pretty sure I'd gone down with my mom like a bunch of times and I was like insistent that I wanted to go myself. I was like, no, I'm going myself. Like, I just want to do it myself or whatever. So she let me go by myself and I didn't aim well. And you know how some people will build like little bumps or whatever, Uh little jumps. I hit one of these and I go up in the air and it wasn't, it couldn't have been that high. Like I couldn't have been going that fast and I couldn't have gone that high. Like it felt 
high to like me. 50 pounds at the time. Yeah, but I, I was like four. Like it couldn't right. have been that bad. But somehow when I landed, just the shock of like hitting the ground broke my collarbone. You landed on your butt? My, on my butt and I broke my collarbone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure like, mom, if you're listening and I'm wrong, email us and we'll correct it. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. But I broke my collarbone. And that's it hurt crazy really bad. to me. But the thing is, my mom had promised we'd go get hot chocolate after sledding. And so, like, I was obviously hurt. I think I was crying or whatever. And sure. she was going to take me to the emergency room. And I was like, like can we still get hot chocolate? Wow. <laughs> so that's the story of how I broke my collarbone skiing. So, injuries from sledding, one. Injuries from snowmobiling, zero. Snowmobiling is safer. The better sport. It's official. It's, we like snowmobiling science. better. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um... The next sport is, it's... I have a couple too, but we can do okay. those in rapid yeah. fire. So I'll do mine first and I'll do yours. This one's not going to be as long. Um, it's kind of a closer comparison in a way. Some of these are hard to compare, but this is kayaking versus jet skiing. Hmm. Um, to me, kayaking is a lot more exploratory. It's more, you're kind of going around, you're enjoying your environment, you're seeing new things. Whereas jet skiing can be that but it's more about the fun you're having of doing water donuts uh yeah so, yeah so what are your thoughts on this one i would also like throw in with kayaking stand-up paddle boarding yeah i prefer stand-up paddle boarding uh, i just think that's fun um but yeah this is the same conversation over and over again one of these is an adrenaline yeah kind of crazy while uh, not, not necessarily wild but it's like a, a weird um, thing that you need a little bit of training to do, right. and you need that that can, if done wrong, lead to like real danger and serious harm. Uh huh. Um, even jet skiing yeah. can be pretty dangerous. Yeah. And then the other thing is like something that we as humans have been doing for a long time, right? And is generally more of a a peaceful kind of serene thing and that goes for kayaking and stand-up paddle boarding in my mind yeah i mean people kayak far yeah people do and i think one of my dreams and i don't think there's any place kind of in the states to do this but i know it's a big thing in like the northern parts of canada is to well there's probably some in the pacific Northwest, but whatever is to get like a kayak or a canoe and all my camping stuff and to go and you can just kayak like for miles across lakes and then you come to the end of the lake you get out you carry it you know like half a mile get back in another lake and you can just kayak through like lakes and lakes and lakes and then you can set up camp on like an island somewhere and like camp out on an island so far away from hmm. everyone on the middle of this huge lake and so um it's just like that's one of my dreams is just i love the idea of more inaccessible areas places you can't walk to so that's why i love the snowmobiling idea that's why i love you know kayaking to an island and just camping there that's super fun to me. Yeah. But that's a very different kind of direction than jet skiing where your goal is to like go out to the lake and it's more of like a lake day, like kind of a single day activity, yeah. partying with your friends, driving around fast, you know. So they're, yeah, these are definitely very different sports. And I think for me, this is one that I am not going to be able to say definitively which one I like more because they're such different things. Um, they're just kind of... In a way, I don't think there's really anything that's similar in the way I would enjoy these sports and pursue them. But I like them both. Like, I've ridden jet skis. They're fun. I own a kayak. It's really fun. I want to do it, but it's winter. 
So I think if I were given the option of either one to do right now for like two hours by myself, I think I would rather kayak. Honestly, yeah, it sounds and it sounds think, good to me right now too. And I think that that's the answer that I would give most of the time. Mm-hmm. The only time I think I wouldn't is if I was with like, you know, four or five of our friends, friends, and they all had jet skis, and we all like rent jet skis and we yeah. just go cruising around. That sounds great, but for the most part, I would agree. And kayaking's way more accessible than jet skiing. Like, even if you get a super cheap jet ski, a kayak's still gonna be way cheaper. Yeah. And you don't have to have a trailer, you can just load it in your car. It's a more accessible sport in general. So so we agree, they're both great, but kayaking edges it out a little bit, probably. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we'll cut off my list there. I wanna hear yours. Okay. Mine are kind of jokes. <laughs> yeah. Um boating versus swimming. Mm, yes, boating <laughs> is better for sure. I dude, I hate swimming, and I used to be on swim team, and I was so slow, so much slower than everyone else who I was on the swim team with. Slower than a boat for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. To the point where I'd be like four or five laps behind people. Oh wow! And the did coach, you get cut? The coach would just be like, "Okay, you can stop because we don't want to oh, wait for you." That's I didn't get cut, cut, but I didn't do well. That's that's what it's like to be cut in a league where you can't be cut. Yeah, exactly, and. I never enjoyed it. There'd be times when I'd be like, I'd have to stop and just tread water and like gasp for air because I wasn't good at like the timing or the pacing or like the breathing. I wasn't good at like, I didn't have good form. So it was just not fun to me. So swimming has never been my favorite, like actively swimming, like to go places. I hate it. I like like floating around in a swimming pool, which is what most people call swimming. Uh huh. But actually like moving, no, don't like it. Boating, yes, I love boating. I like swimming. It's one of the most healthy and non-impact a low impact yeah ways to exercise and it feels i don't know just something about being in water yeah being in water is nice it's nice i wonder if it's still as healthy as an exercise when you swallow like a gallon of chlorine a day because that's what i did in swim team i'd always be swallowing water i think probably worse i think the ideal is to be in like a pristine untouched freshwater Mm -hmm. lake yeah, and that's swallow that kind of water. They had these pools when I lived in Sydney, right on the ocean, um, and you, we'd walk past them all the time. But they were just ocean water that kind of seeped in through the rocks or would come crashing over the rocks. But they were like man-made pools, so they cut pools and they had like the lane markers on the bottom. Huh. But you're swimming in ocean water, and the water's like consistently being refreshed with new ocean water that's coming cool. in. They were so beautiful and so amazing. Yeah. But they were all like clubs and so you had to have like a club membership uh, yeah. and they're really expensive. That sounds like a club kind of thing. So we'd watch them from the cliffs above enviously of the beautiful water they're swimming in. Anyway, okay. continue. You're saying boating, yep. I'm saying swimming. Okay. Next one. Shooting, like with a gun. Yep. Versus shot put. <laughs> shot put? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well have you ever thrown I, shot put? I've never thrown shot put. Okay. I have, believe it or not. Uh-huh. Uh, I did this like track and field thing over the summer one year and I had to do every event uh-huh. for the first half of the summer and and then in the second half of the summer I got to pick which events I like practiced for for uh-huh. the end of the summer meet. And so for the first half of the summer I had to do shot put. Huh. You know, along yeah. with discus and uh-huh. uh every other event in track and field. Uh-huh. And I've also been shooting. Yeah. Like most Coloradans. Yeah, most of us have. Um, man, I love going shooting, and I've never thrown shot put, but it doesn't sound as fun as shooting. 
So I'm going to say shooting. What are you going to say? Mm. This is a tough one because I don't like either of them. Mm, nice. Um, but I'm going to say shot put because I'm less afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to kill yourself throwing a shot put. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or at least it happens more slowly. Right. You could probably kill someone else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Which, to be fair, is the higher danger with shooting, too. Yeah. You're probably not going to accidentally shoot yourself. That's That would be... Uh, well... It's possible, but I mean, it would be... This isn't going to turn into like a gun safety course. No. Okay, la- my last one. Cannonball versus cannonball. So, are you talking <laughs> about cannonball like the cannonball run? No, cannonball like the uh, large, explosive... Like a cannon. <laughs> like a cannon. Versus like versus... cannonballing into a pool? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Cannonball, the shooting one, for sure. Well, I don't know. It depends on the it's height. It's fun to do a cannonball. It depends on the height from which you jump cannonball or the thing that you're shoot cannonballing at. Because okay. imagine, I'll give you some examples. If I was like on this 20-foot high cliff jumping into a gorgeous river, then I would do jump cannonballing versus like just shooting a shoot cannonball at a range or something. But if I was on a ship like a pirate ship, yeah. and I had the option to shoot down another pirate ship for fun, then shoot cannonballing for sure. Oh, yeah. Or if you were like in some sort of weird medieval siege, yeah. and you could destroy a castle, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I would definitely destroy a castle. But n- neither one of those things are probably ever going to happen in your life, so you'll probably never get the opportunity to destroy a real-life castle. Yeah. Sorry to break that no. to you. So... The re the realistic cannonball, if you ever get to shoot a cannonball, uh-huh. will probably be at a range with like a small cannonball yeah. at a watermelon or at a regular target. You can actually buy little desk cannons. I've seen these. <laughs> I actually thought about buying one. Um, <laughs> of course you did. And it's like, oh, it's probably, you know, it's about the size of an iPhone. And it comes with little, you know, like uh steel balls that are like probably the size of I don't even know what they're the size of. Imagine like a smaller gumball like one of those like chiclet style gumballs that comes out of like a cheap vending machine you get from target that's very specific but that's the size that they are um and you you know you put them down the barrel it comes with a little like modeled ramrod to push it down but it's tiny it's like a toothpick and you push it down and then they actually take like nine millimeter blanks so like uh like a nine millimeter cartridge for a gun but Uh without the bullet so you put that in the back and you close the little hatch up or whatever, and it's got like a little spring-loaded firing pin. And you point it at whatever, and you pull it back, and you shoot it. And it shoots them pretty hard because it's a 9-millimeter blank. But it's just this little desk cannon. And you get a little like smoke whiff after you, you shoot it. it at your coworkers or what? No, it would, it would probably wound them severely. What's it for then? It's for like shooting at like fruit or something. It's like a little like <laughs> fake cannon you take to the gun range That's and you dumb. shoot at fruit or something. That's dumb. That sounds pretty fun. That's probably the cannon I would get to shoot in my lifetime. I would definitely take splash cannonballing, jump cannonballing over the little desk shooting cannonballing. So I would take like pool jump cannonballing over probably all cannonballs, except for yeah. if I got to shoot it at like a ship or a, a castle. Yeah, a yeah. ship or a castle. <laughs> Sweet, because that'd be cool. If anyone has a hookup for that, let us know because yeah. we will do it. <laughs> we will do it. We'll even videotape it for you and put it on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, anything else? Are yeah. we out of sports? So we've decisively decided sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Depends. Sometimes sports are better with motors. 
but the only way to know is to try. Thanks for listening to I Heard It On A Podcast. Don't forget that this coming Wednesday is our Christmas special. Special, special. Christmas. Yeah. We're going to have some tasty Christmas drinks that we invented. We're going to talk about Christmas traditions, and we're going to do some other Christmassy things. So join us. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a special time, and we're looking forward to doing that with you guys. Um, uh, we've got new episodes every Monday and Wednesday that you can find wherever you get podcasts. If you liked what you heard today and you know someone else who would like it as well, send them, send, this is really hard to say, send this to them. We're going to eventually say that right the first time. It's going to be great. It. Yeah. Um, also, maybe send them the link to our podcast and listen to the Christmas episode with them. That seems like a Christmassy thing to do. Yeah. Like have a Christmas party and play this at it. Show up to whatever Christmas party you're going to and be like, hey guys, we're all going to listen to this podcast together. Hopefully you're not going to a Christmas party. Or if it's like small or or a Zoom. Or maybe we'll all be vaccinated in two days. Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, uh, this is the longest outro ever. (laughs) As always, you can reach us at I heard it on a podcast at gmail.com. Okay, where are we going to get dinner? Where are we going to get dinner? I'm starving. I'm very hungry. I'm very hungry. We should do something good. Somewhere that usually is closed when we normally get dinner.